name is Lillian Magdalene Mills. Okay. Thank you. And what is your address, ma'am? 900 Westgate Lane, Cordova Apartments, Bossier City, Louisiana. Where is Bossier City in relationship to Shreveport, Louisiana? Across the bridge. And your trader occupation, ma'am? Right now, I'm a, a sitter. What does that mean, a sitter? Uh, I take care of sick people. And how long have you been involved in that type of work? Approximately four years. Three to four years. How long have you lived in the Bossier City, Shreveport area? About 12 years. Have you any other employment other than that as a, of a sitter? I'm a producer. I'm a country and western singer. I'm an artist. And I how write songs. I publish songs. How long have you been involved in the country western music business? Ever since I can remember. Do you know an individual by the name of Danny Harold Rowling? Yes, sir, I do. And you see him here in the courtroom today, ma'am? Yes, I do. He's over here. Could you point him out, please, to us? Yes, over here. You're going to ask that the record reflect that she has accurately identified the defendant, Danny Harold Rowling? Thank you, sir. How did you come to know Mr. Rowling? <clears throat> uh, one day his dad invited me over. Okay, for, can you put a time frame on this? 1988, I believe. Okay. And how did you meet him again? I had given his dad one of my country and western tapes, and Danny had saw my tape and listened to it. And, of course, I didn't know Danny was going to be there at the time, but his dad called me on the phone and invited me over for dinner. Okay. Had you known Mr. Rowling Sr.? before this time? I had saw him one, I had talked to him on the phone one time and I saw him one time when I gave him my tape. Okay. So apparently the father is inviting you over the house at this point? Right, and he put his wife on the phone and she did too, Claudia, okay. Danny's mother. And did you go over to the rolling home? Yes, I did. What happened when you got over there? They were very friendly and like I say, I didn't know Danny was there and and I go bouncing through the back door and uh, hi everybody, how you doing? And, and um, uh, all of a sudden this good looking guy comes out of the living room and he says, oh my goodness, mom. He said, she's a beautiful woman. Said, I'm so glad you came here and, or something to this effect. And he said, I think I'm gonna lose my heart or something like that and I just walked over to him and I patted him on his heart and I said that's okay honey I take care of your heart and it was just from we were just friendly okay they were friendly anything else happened that evening uh, well we ate dinner and in the meantime though they had asked me to bring over my guitar and uh, after we ate why they asked me to to play my guitar and sing I did and uh, Danny says, oh, he says, I love your guitar. He said, uh, let me play it. And, of course, I didn't know that he could play, and he played it, and he sang a couple of songs that he had written. And uh, right away, I recognized that he had uh, talent. Uh, he could write well. He could sing well. And um, uh, I'm always looking for songs, and I was interested in perhaps producing him one day and also uh, publishing his songs. Okay and helping him in the music all that I could. Did you see him any other times after this evening? Yes, I did. I called him back that night 
and told him I would like to get with him and um, we would talk about our music. Okay. Did he ever ask you to go out on a date with him? Yes, he did. Okay. And did you go out on dates with him? Yes, I did. Did you become involved in a relationship with Mr. Rowland? We've been friends for a long time. Okay. How, how long? Up until last year. Did he ever come over to your house? Many times. How would he act when he would come over to your house? Uh, Danny was very nervous okay. all the time. Can you describe this nervousness to us? Uh, it's like he had, I would say it was acute anxieties. Okay. Uh, how, how, how would he display this anxiety? He would smother, and he'd want to go all the time. What uh, do you mean by smother? Well, it's like he would, it was hard for him to, to catch his breath. Um, he was nervous. I, I, I guess that's the only way I know how to describe it. Did he display this anxiety or nervousness in any physical way? Yes, he, uh, he would go to the door and open the front door, or he would raise the windows and he'd say, I have to have some air. Was this something that would occur quite frequently when he would be at your house? Many times. Did you involve yourself in any discussions with Mr. Rowling about his life? Many times. He ever talked to you about his father? All the time. What would he say about his father? Um, he, he would tell me that he could not get along with his father and Danny was a very humble person and he would cry and he would tell me that he couldn't get along with his dad and uh, he wished that he could but he couldn't. Okay. When you said that he would cry would he cry when he would talk about his father? Yes. Was there ever a time when he would be talking about his father to you when he would not be crying? Would you say that again? Were there times when he was at your house talking to you about the relationship he had with his father when he was not crying? Very seldom. He always, when he would talk about his father, he usually would cry, yes. He would be very when, upset. when he was crying, can you describe how he would be doing it and what was going on with him at the time he would be crying? He would, he would tell me how his heart would hurt. Uh, it was almost like you could crawl inside of him yourself and feel the pain that he was feeling. About how old was Danny at this time? Um, 35, 36. 37. Did he describe any incidences that he particularly remembered that were difficult between he and his father? Yes, he did. <clears throat> Do you remember what they would be that he told you? He told me uh, that one time when he was about 16, 17, um, he and his girlfriend at school had had a fight 
and uh, he came home, but that his, he didn't know his father was going to be there, and his father came in, threw him down on the floor, and put him into some type of retention center, and uh, what well, uh, his father had called uh, someone else to come and get him, uh, more police. He handcuffed him, and uh, Danny said that was the most devastating part of his life, and it seemed like his whole life just turned from then on. He, he couldn't seem to keep his feet on the ground after that. How long did he stay in this detention? facility? I, I think it was about two weeks and nobody came to see him. He said he was just devastated because he, his mom or dad didn't come to see him. Did Danny drive? Yeah, Danny drove. Did he ever talk to you about how he learned how to drive? Uh, he said his dad taught him how to drive. Did he recall whether or not that was a pleasant or unpleasant experience? Yes, he told me if he couldn't please his dad, his dad would always fuss at him. And one time uh, he told me about something happened while they were out driving. And when he came in, he, he was so scared of his dad that he wet his pants. Ever talk about any incidents between he, his father, and his, did you know at any time whether or not he had been married? Yes, he told me he got married to a girl named Matha. Did he ever talk to you about incidents involving that marriage? Oh, uh, one particular one, he told me that uh, uh, he and was at his apartment and his dad came over one day and jerked the covers off of him and he was terribly embarrassed because his mother was there and and pulled a knife held a knife to his throat and I, I never did know what that he Danny never related anything else after that I, I don't know what why his dad did that but this was an account given to you by Mr. Rowling, correct? Excuse me? This was an account given to you by Mr. Rowling? By Danny, about his mother, or his, the father. And he was embarrassed with his mother being there. But his mother, she said she didn't see him naked. At any time in the course that you knew Mr. Rowling back in 1988, in that period of time, did you ever talk with him or discuss with him about seeking mental health counseling? Yes, I did. First of all, why did you bring up the subject? Uh, because Danny was so disturbed. What, what do you mean by disturbed? Uh, when he would come to my house, he, he sometimes would get on his knees like a little child and tell me, that things were so bad at home, he couldn't live there. And uh, I'd say, Danny, but you can't break your parole. You have to live there. So if you go see a psychiatrist, maybe this will end some of your anxieties or whatever this thing is with you. And uh, you'll get well. Did you make any attempts with Mr. Rowling to get him to see mental health counseling? Yes, I did. Okay, can you please explain what efforts you used to work That was with some him? kind of an effort. Uh, 
I begged Danny to go. Uh, I don't remember who made the appointment, myself or Claudia, but I begged him to go, and he says, I'm not going. If I go and my dad finds out what I've said, he'll kill me. And I said, but Danny, the psychiatrist is not supposed to reveal what you say to them. And I said, it may come to where that you have to uh, have the family there with you. I said, if you can get that far along in your therapy, that would be great. And, uh, and he says, no. He said, uh, my dad would never go. And I said, well, we'll just go to your dad and find out. And uh, he said, um, I'm not going because if, if my dad finds out that I've talked about him, and, he, and then he, he went through this several times. He'd say, oh, oh God, I don't want to say nothing else about my dad. Let's go or whatever. And his attention span, you know, and then he would go on and, and uh, I'd say, well, Danny, we've made the appointment and you're going to go. We're going to go over to your house right now and we're going to talk to your mom and dad. So we went to his house and we talked to his mother and dad. I said to them, I have talked Danny into going to see the psychiatrist or the, mental, the Shreveport Mental Health Clinic. Of course, I thought it would be a psychiatrist. It was a, I, I think she was a psychiatric social worker. Anyway, she worked in that field. And um, so I said to, uh, to James, I said, if it no, comes... James would be... Uh, Danny's dad. Um, I said, if it comes to the point where Danny does go into this therapy and will you support him? I said, if you have to go, would you go? And uh, he said, yes, I would. He said, maybe it's me that needs to go. And I said, well, I don't know about that, but I said, uh, I'm going to take Danny. And Claudia said right immediately, that's Danny's mother, uh, that she would support Danny all the way. So I said to Danny, okay, Danny, there you are, so we're going. So then Danny, he, he, he said yes, and then he said no. I chased him all the way around the apartment building, okay. him running and me behind him, and I'm screaming, Danny, you have to go to the psychiatrist. You have to get well. What would he say when you were chasing him? He'd, he'd say no, that he was afraid of what his dad would do to him if he found out he talked about him in therapy. How many times did you run around your apartment complex chasing Mr. Rowling? About four. Did you eventually get Mr. Rowling down to the Shreveport Mental Health Center? Uh, oh, yes. I went with him. I took him. Mm -hmm. So you were successful in catching him? <laughs> yes, I did. What happened when you got down here? Uh, he saw this uh, lady. I don't know what her name was. I did at the time, but I, I never did find out later who she was. And uh, I believe they, they talked for about an hour or so. And... Uh, Somehow or other, the appointments got messed up. Danny was supposed to call her back, or she was to call Danny back or something. And then after that, Danny says, I'm not going to this woman. And I said, Danny, if she's not suitable for you, then uh, they can find you another one. You don't have to stick with the one that they assigned you to, and uh, or something to that nature. And... Uh, 
then somehow or other that appointment got all fouled up to where he didn't go back there. And another time, uh, I took him to LSU Hospital, which is, um, I don't like to use the word charity, but I think that might be what it is, a charity hospital. It's where everybody goes that, that uh, okay. don't have money, I guess. And how soon after the LSU Medical Center did you take him over to the Charity Hospital facility? What would be the time gap between the two? Can you recall? Uh, at this minute, I don't recall. Would it have been weeks, days, a month? It wasn't a long time. I, 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 that's all I can tell you. It wasn't a long time after that. What happened when, at, at the Charity Hospital mental health facility? Well, when you go there and sign in at 8 o'clock in the morning, you have to sit and wait your turn, and that's forever. And, um, of course, Danny, he's taking on these smothering spells, and he's walking the floor and pacing the floor, and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to keep him here long enough for this appointment? And um, uh, we went across the street to eat tacos and came back in, and, and Danny says, there's no need for me to stay here. They're not, I can't talk to these people because when I talk to them and my dad finds this out, then my dad is going to kill me and I'd say no Danny your dad's not going to kill you just because you saw the doctor and so anyway um, I did persuade him to stay uh, but about 15 minutes before it was time I just knew I wasn't going to be successful but I did persuade him to stay and he when he went in to see this person I, I don't know whether it was a man or a woman I forgot and um, uh, when he came back out, he says, they say they can't do anything for me that I have to go back to the mental health clinic, and that's the same place where we'd started out to begin with. Okay. How long did you stay at the Charity Hospital facility? About five, six, seven hours. It was most of the day. I don't think I have any more questions. Thank you very much. Okay. Hi, how are you? How are you? I don't know if you need this. Now, Ms. Mills, I understand uh, through our meeting and deposition and also here today that you first met Danny Harold Rowling through his father, James Harold Rowling. Is that correct? That's true. And you say today that you were invited to their home in, in 1988? I think that was the year 88, yes. I, um, from your deposition, I think it was August of 88. Does that sound Somewhere right in that you? vicinity, August, September, um, during that time, somewhere in that time. And Danny uh, Harold Rowling was about 37 years of age at that time. Now, I think Danny was about 35 or 36 at that time. Now, um, he was living at home with his mom and dad? Yes, ma'am. Kevin was not living at home. That's Danny's brother, correct? Uh, no, he wasn't. Danny was not working when you first met him. Is that correct? I don't think so. 
He had moved into his parents' home after having returned from prison, I believe, in Mississippi. Right. And he told you about that prison experience, didn't he? Yes, he did. He told you he'd been in prison and that he was out on parole. Right. And he also told you that he didn't want to go back to prison. Constantly. And that he would, he would never go back to prison. He also told you that um, he knew that he had to maintain employment and uh, follow the law and be law-abiding to avoid going back to prison, correct? Uh, yes, he, he was afraid of going back to prison, yes. He knew the difference between right and wrong? I would think so. Now, um, Mr. Rowling, Danny's father was the one who invited you over to the house so that you could be introduced to Danny and talk about music. Well, I assume that's what I assume that was the reason. I, I don't know what Danny's purpose was to meet me, but he wanted to meet me, and so I'm going to assume he wanted to meet me for the music. Now, if I remember correctly, um, you and James Harold had had a conversation before, and you had given James Harold a tape and talked about the fact that you had uh, been licensed to publish certain music. You have an ASCAP, and I think there's some other licenses you have or connections. Uh, BMI and CSAC, uh -huh. that's a licensed organization that controls the music industry. And, um, Mr. Rowling, Danny's father, was aware of, of your connections in the music industry and in fact during the dinner conversation the night you were over with your guitar there was some talk between you, James Harold Rowling, and Danny Rowling about protecting Danny's music rights. Uh, that did happen but I'm not for sure that that it was that same night, you know, we uh, we talked about it, yes. Uh -huh. Because in the music industry, if you don't copyright or protect your songs, somebody might hear them and they can be integrated into someone else's music and you can lose your rights, correct? That's what they say. Mm -hmm. Now, um, since Danny has been incarcerated here in Florida, you have contacted him about publishing his music, have you not? Yeah, I did. Uh -huh. Yes, ma'am. And uh, you um, told him you would send him a contract to publish his music? Yes, I did. And, and I did. And that has not worked out between you and Danny? I've only heard from Danny, I think, a couple of times since then. Now, um, you indicated to Mr. Kearns that you and Danny were good friends. Your relationship with Danny Harrell was far closer than being good, good friends, wasn't it, Ms. Mills? We dated. Well, did you not have a sexual relationship with Danny Harold Rowling during the time period in 1988 until um, sometime in 1989? I feel like that's my personal life. Well, answer the question. Did you or did you not? Ms. Mills, I instruct you to answer that. The jury has a right to know your relationship. Yes. And you also... Um, after meeting Claudia Rowling, became close with, with Mrs. Rowling, Mrs. James Harrell's mother. Yes, I did. You consider her to be a, a friend? Do you now consider her to be a friend? I assume she's my friend. Now, um, during the time that you were having uh, a relationship with Danny Harrell Rowling, the two of you were dating, didn't Mrs. Rowling call you up and advise you when um, she felt that Danny needed some support? Many times. 
And wasn't it as a result of Claudia calling you about problems at home that you and Claudia and James Harold and Danny discussed going to see a mental health counselor? Would you say that again? Well, wasn't it a result of you having communications with the entire family that there was a discussion, and you testified to it on direct, where you talked to Claudia about going to counseling and you talked to James Harris. Oh, yes, I did. Counseling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the whole family had agreed that they would go to counseling uh, because of the problems that, of adjustment that Danny was having after coming back from prison. Uh, all but Kevin. I, had, I didn't talk to Kevin about it. Right, Kevin wasn't home. We're right. talking about the family that mm -hmm. was living in the wrong right. home. Now, I know you're not good with dates, and I think you said that on direct, but I, I, we do have some records of the uh, m medical, uh, the counseling centers, and I, th the first record shows that he was brought to the um, Louisiana State University Medical Center back in no November, uh, pardon me, pardon me, the first first record shows that he was seen on March 10th, 1989. Would that sound right to you, that first um, counseling session? That I, I honestly do not remember the months or the dates when I took him there. When, when the forms were filled out for that, it was written that this was a family referral, that he, his people, they wrote here, were concerned that he might need help. Is that basically how he came in to see the mental health counselor at that time? I begged him to go, but I, th I, I can't remember whether I made the appointment or whether Claudia made the appointment. Well, according to the records, uh, Danny Rowling told the, the um, counselor at Mental Health Services that he wasn't certain whether he needed treatment. Didn't he tell you that? No, he told me he was afraid that if he got treatment that his dad would kill him if his dad found out what he told the psychiatrist. He didn't tell you that um, he consented to go into mental health to have someone, quote, pick his brain? He was only oh, yeah, he to told satisfy? Me that. He told me that. He didn't want somebody to pick his brain, but it's also more, more about his dad, yes. Didn't he also tell you he was coming to satisfy his, the concerns of his mother and his girlfriend? I don't remember that. Was, wasn't his behavior inappropriately hostile and sarcastic when he was at the mental health center? Not in front of me. Do you recall whether or not he denied any problems? when he was there? Well, see, I didn't go inside. I don't know what he and the, the social worker, doctor, or whatever she was, I didn't go inside with him. I just went into the lobby part. And, and what they did, uh, Ms. Mills, was they um, suggested to Danny that he could go to the VA for counseling if he could not afford treatment. I don't remember that. This witness has already stated she was not present when there was a discussion between the mental health counselor and Ms. Do you recall whether you heard that conversation? No, I, I don't know anything about that. If You did you did hear from Danny that it, he it couldn't continue there because he didn't have money, right? You heard that part. Excuse me? You heard Danny say, I can't continue to go there because I don't have money to go there. You heard that part. Uh, 
I don't think it costs any money to go to the Freeport Mental Health, and I don't think it costs any money to go to the LSU, but I don't know what their rules and regulations was at LSU that they could not see him uh, and, and wanted him to go back to the Freeport Mental Health. All I know is what Danny said when he came out from, from the doctor at LSU, and Danny says, well, they won't see me here. I've got to go to, uh, back to the Freeport Mental Health, and I'm not going. Now, you had said on direct examination that um, when you first met Danny, he was very, quote, nervous. He had acute anxieties. It was hard for him to catch his breath. And he wanted to go all the time. Was he constantly up and down and agitated, moving his hands and body and that kind of thing? Is that what you mean by uh, very nervous? Uh, he would walk to the windows, and it was like he would like that, like he was trying to get his breath, and uh, he couldn't be still. His attention span was very short. If you had if you had something to say to Danny, you better say it and get it over with, or you're not going to get the whole conversation out. So he couldn't sit still, and he really couldn't pay attention for long periods of time. Not for a long period of times, but he and I had lots of talks. Danny would, t would tell me a lot of things, but when I would talk back to him, his attention span was very short. Didn't he tell you when he talked to you about his father that he let his dad down? Didn't he tell you that? He told that he me... disappointed his father? He told me that his father thought he had disappointed him or oh. something to this effect. I, I can't remember all of these. He didn't tell you that he had disappointed his father by going to prison on two separate occasions for committing robberies? He didn't tell you that that was a disappointment to his father? I don't think it was put like that. I, I don't remember all of that. He didn't tell you when he was crying that uh, it was an embarrassment to his father, a law enforcement officer, that he'd gone to prison? Now, he may have told me that part. I, I remember that, that part. I don't remember that other part. Now, he told you about... Um, he told you about an incident when he was about 15 or 16 years old or when he was a teenager where his dad had him taken to the juvenile center, right? True. He testified that on direct. Now, did he tell you that at that time he was almost full grown? He was six, six foot two and weighed between 180 and 200 pounds? No, I, I didn't know Danny's size when he was 16. Maybe you can tell the jury how big James Harold Rowling is. At this time? Is he, is he six foot two? I don't think so. How about Claudia Rowling? Is she six foot two? I don't think so. Did Danny tell you that he was drunk when he came home that day? No, he didn't. Did he tell you he had been expelled from school that day? Objection, Your Honor, on that one. There's been no evidence. In fact, not an issue. I'm going to look at something to give Ms. Singer some latitude on this one. Did he tell you he well, What did you say? Did Danny hear rolling when he was telling you the story about how he got locked up, locked up in the juvenile detention center? Did he tell you that he had been expelled from school? No, he did not. He told me he had a fight with his girlfriend. He threw his uh, musical instrument through the window. And, and he didn't tell you he'd been drunk? No. And he didn't tell you that he, was, he told his parents that he was going to run away and they wouldn't be able to find him? No, he didn't tell me that. Did he tell you that when the law enforcement officers came, that when they were attempting to take him from the residence that he tried to run away and that they had to subdue him? No. 
He told me just like I told you a while ago. Now, uh, Danny and uh, his mom had a very close relationship, did they not? They did. And uh, you saw a lot of love between the two of them, did you not? Right. His mother exhibited a lot of of love to him, did she not? Right. She protected him, didn't she? Yes, she did. And um, where there might not have been a lot of affection between he and his father, you saw affection between Danny Harold Rowling and his mother. Right. I can't quite remember, Miss Mills, but at your birthday party that I believe Danny threw for you and where you met um, Claudia's sisters, didn't Danny even show affection for those, his aunts, by hugging them and, and uh, playing music for them? Do you remember that? Yes. Now, the uh, incident with Omeitha, this would be Danny's um, wife. He described an incident to you. I'm not sure I heard you correctly, and that's why I have to ask this question. Did you say that you spoke to his mother about what happened, that particular incident? Uh, You're talking about the time that... When uh, his dad came to to rouse him (coughs) bed. Yeah, yeah, she told me about it also, but I don't. I, nobody's ever told me why that the father got there, went there. I, I, nobody's ever told me why. All I know is that that James supposedly went in and pulled the covers off of Danny, and Danny was in the bed with no clothes on, and held a and James held a knife to Danny's throat, and I. Claudia told me that same incident. Danny told me that same incident, but neither one of them told me why. Did you, did Claudia tell you that she did not see Danny? Yes, she told me. No, she said she did not see him naked. Okay. How about, um, did either of them tell you that Danny was supposed to go to work that day and James was over there to try to get him to go to work that day? No, neither told me that. Let's go back to the, um, the discussion you had with um, James and Claudia and Danny about going to counseling. Was your testimony on direct that even James, the father, said, maybe it's me that needs to go? Uh, James said that. And both James and Claudia said that they would support Danny. If he needed counseling, they would go. Yes, they did, but neither one of them really believed that Danny would go. And you told both James Harold Rowling and Claudia that the whole family may have needed to be worked with to try to work out their problems. Yes, I did. (laughs) I tried to help. I tried to help the whole family. I tried to help Danny. Now, the second time you took Danny to counseling, according to the records, was in November of 1989. And um, would that fit? The first time was in March of 1989, and then you do try a second time about November of 1989? Uh, What happened in 89? 
Uh, well, first, the first time you went to counseling, where you took him, that you described so three report mental health. March of '89. Okay. The second time, according to the records, is in November of 1989. I, I didn't remember it being that much time span. Um, you don't remember it happening on November 14th, 89, which is your birthday. Well, that's my birthday, but is that the day I took him to the LSU hospital? That's what the record reflects here. Well, I don't remember that. All right. You don't remember that particular day? I don't remember taking him on my birthday, no. Okay. According to the record, it says client is depressed over loss of job two months ago and problems with relationship with girlfriend. Client is agreeable to counseling and his mood was good. Does that sound right to you? Objection once again. I believe the witness testified that she was not party to the conversations over the courts. She hasn't been asked about this situation. There's, there's no proper predicate. I agree with that. You can ask her if she's yeah. privy to that. Are you, were you privy to that conversation? Well, you're going to have to ask me again. This is confusing. Were you, were you there when the, the uh, initial contact was made where Danny reported that he was depressed over loss of a job two months ago and problems with relationship with his girlfriend, that he was agreeable to counseling and his mood was good? Uh, Danny came to me uh, every time he got depressed. Uh, though he and I were, were, the relationship was back and forth. And I didn't know when Danny was coming to my house and when he wasn't coming to my house. He would come to my house constantly and confide in me. And I, I don't know, uh, I, I'm not for sure of, of what was going on at the time that I took him to LSU. All I know is I took him. Now, um, while you were dating and having a relationship with Danny Rowling, you never saw him intoxicated or under the influence of drugs, did you? I never saw him what? Intoxicated or under no, the influence No, I did not. And you were aware that he had been very active in the Pentecostal church? Yes. I even told him one time that I would give up my country music and we'd go sing in the gospel music if he wanted to go. He could quote scripture? Yes, he could. And isn't it true that he had very firm beliefs in the devil, Lucifer, and Jesus, and the conflict between the good angels and the bad angels? Well, he never talked to me about good angels and bad angels and Lucifer and the, the devil and this type of thing. You never talked to him about that? No. We talked about religion, yes, and and the Bible, and but we never talked about, we never separated anything, angels or devils or nothing like this, no. Good afternoon. State your full name, please. Paul Daniel Schwartz. Mr. Schwartz, I'm going to ask you to speak loud enough so that everybody can hear you. Where do you reside? Uh, in Gainesville at uh, 2837 Northwest 40th Place. And how long have you lived there? Good 19 years. And what do you do for uh, occupation or are you a student? I'm a student and I work at the college. And where is that? Which college? Uh, Santa Fe Community College. Did you Have you attended that college for some time? Yes, I have. Did that include in 1990? Yes, sir. Do you or did you know Krista Hoyt? Yes, I did. Uh, could you tell the jury uh, when you first met her and how long you'd known her? I met her first in high school in ninth grade. I think you were saying that you had met her in high school. High school, yes, uh, back in 80, 86, I believe. Did you renew your acquaintance with her? 
Um, only after college started um, 89 in the fall. And, and where did you meet her in 1989? Uh, I was at Santa Fe also. It was an English class. I want to move now to August of 1990. Uh, in particular, in August of 1990, did you have occasion to see or do anything with Krista Hoyt? Uh, yes, I did. Can you tell us when? I believe it was Saturday, the 25th of August. We had, I had been out with my parents and we got back and there was a message from her on my answering machine. From, from whom? Krista. And what was it about? Um, wanting to get together and play racquetball that night. Did you do that? Yes, we did. What time? Oh, she showed up about 7.30 to my house. And where did you go? Uh, to, I believe it's called Northwood Park, up by the Highway Patrol Station on 34th Street. Yes, I did. Did she bring any equipment with her? She brought a, racket, a can of racquetballs and her racket. And in particular, do you recall how she was dressed, what attire she had on that um, Some kind of dark shorts and some kind of shirt with a logo in the left corner. How long did you play racquetball? About an hour to an hour and a half. Then what did you do? I uh, drove back to my house and just went in the house and talked for a while. The same residence that you currently have? Yes. How long did you stay at your house? It's about half an hour, 45 minutes. Did you see any other people while you were there at, at your house? Yeah. Who? Uh, my parents and my brother. Can you tell the court approximately what time she left your house that Saturday evening? It was between 9.30 and 10. You know if you, the distance from where she lived to your house, do you not? Mm -hmm. Either in distance or in time, how long does it take to get from your house to her house? About 10 to 12 minutes. said island or inland surf on it and had like a surfboard or something like that. Showing you now what's been marked for identification purposes as states uh, exhibit HHH. Once you take an opportunity to review this and tell me if you've seen this shirt before. Yes, I have. And what is it? It's the shirt Krista was wearing when we played racquetball. Now, obviously there's a, an area of the shirt that has been separated. Yes. The shirt was in its normal condition when you last saw it. Yes, sir. I have no further questions. Questions, Mr. Schwartz? Yes, sir. questions. Thank you, sir. You may step down. You're excused. Get your full name, please. Um, Albert J. Hoover. Mr. Hoover, where do you reside? 
at 3533 Southwest 24th Avenue, Gainesville. And how long have you resided here, sir? Uh, 13 years. Is that, an area, uh, you, is that an area where there are is a residential home or is that a series of apartments or duplexes? It's uh, duplexes. And how many duplexes are there? Well, there are four duplexes and two triplexes. Are you the owner? Yes. And in particular, back in August of 1990, were you not only the owner, but did you serve as the manager? Yes. Do you live on the property where the duplexes are located? Yes. And did you then? Yes. Do you know, or excuse me, did you know Krista Hoyt? Yes. Was she a tenant? Yes. Uh, and what in particular was the address of Krista Hoyt when she served your tenant? By that I mean which building at that address? She lived in apartment M. M? M. I'm going to show you now, sir, what's been marked for identification purposes as Exhibit PPP, a photograph bearing number 116-003. I'm going to ask you if you can tell me what that is. That's a part Madame. Is that the way in which it appeared in August of 1990? Yes, it is. And if you will, these steps, they lead up to the front door. That front door, is that the front door of the M apartment in which Ms. Hoyt resided? Yeah. additional photographs and ask you if you can recognize this, the photographs. I'm showing you first that which has been marked as, as for identification purposes as states QQQ bearing number 116-008. Yeah. And what is that? That's a back view of uh, my complex from the adjoining uh, complex. And it's the corner of apartment M. Okay. The corner. And I'm going to ask you, even though I'm Back standing up here, if you would speak as if you were yeah. speaking to that gentleman in the far corner. That's the uh, back corner of apartment M. So, sort of backyard, little backyard there. Now, I also want to show you what's been marked as for identification purposes as states RRR bearing number 116015 and ask you if you can tell me what I'm looking at here. That's a little gate to a storage area that's on the side of apartment M. Referring back now to the first exhibit which you showed to me is which was 116003 for state's identification purposes state's PPP is that the same gate that appears just to the left as we're looking at the front door yes, of I, apartment yeah. M? Yes. I'm going to show you now 
photograph, uh, photograph marked for identification purposes as states SSS, variant number 116-016, and ask you what this is. That's the um, little storage area that's on the side of apartment M. Is it, to be specific, this photograph, is this the storage area into which this gate leads? Yes, it is. I'm showing you now what states I mark for identification purposes as states UUU, identification number 116019, and I ask you if you can tell me what this is. That's the uh, little backyard to apartment M and the glass door leading out of apartment M. Was that a, a little backyard? Is it a sliding glass door? Yes. Is that the manner in which one could enter the rear of apartment M? Yes. So, to, so that I could be clear on this, you have a front door and a back sliding glass door. Well, the backyard was completely fenced in. And how, did, how was one kept from going to the backyard to the rear of the apartment? Was Through that, the glass door. Okay. But to, from the front door to get around to the back door, what area would you have to pass through? You'd have to either climb over a fence, a six or seven foot high fence, or go through this little storage area. And even then you'd have to get through a fence. And why is that? Because the fence was uh, a chain, piece of chain link fence at the back of the storage area was, uh, securely stapled to the side of the building on one end, but then on the other end of the fence, because this was the only way for me to get into the little backyard there, except going through the apartment, I had uh, stapled this fence to the inside of a tree. In other words, no one from the outside could see that these uh, staples were were um, how the fence, you'd think it would just be stapled to the tree all the way up, but it was not. It was only stapled about two and a half feet up. And then at the top of the fence, I had a heavy duty bent over nail, which I hung the, uh, the fence on. And whenever I wanted to get back into the yard, which was seldom, I uh, unhooked this and let it down and stepped over. Let me interrupt you and show you states TTT 116-017 and ask you if that is a view of that fence from the backyard. Yes, it is. And, and what am I looking up? Is this the area of the walkway? Yes. Mr. Hoover, addressing yourself to August of 1990, and in particular August 25th, 1990, did you have occasion to see or speak with Krista Hoyt? Yes, I did. Could you tell this jury uh, why you spoke to her on that day, and if you will, what time it was? It was approximately 5 o'clock in the evening, and I uh, happened to walk by that area and noticed that that gate was unlatched, which was a very unusual thing for it to be. 
no one had occasion to go in there but meter readers or repair people or whatever. And I um, had noticed several days before that that the gate had also been unlatched. And um, so I knocked on Christie's door and asked her if let she had... Let me interrupt you one second. When you say unlatched, uh, tell the jury what you mean, how the latch worked. There was a hasp-type latch that had a wooden peg in it to hold it. And the peg was, um, I believe on both occasions, the peg was uh, down on the ground or else on a little shelf there in the storage area beside it. And uh, when on that Saturday, on that August the 25th, before you talked to her, did you have an opportunity to look back and see the condition of the chain link fence that you've spoken of? I went back and looked at the fence and suspected that where I had hung it on the nail, it was not stretched as tight as I as I stretched it. It, it seemed as though maybe someone had taken that down and put it back up, but not as uh, as as taut as I would have. But I, I was not sure of that, but it appeared that way to me. As a result of seeing those things, uh, what did you say to Krista? I asked her if she had unlatched the, uh, the gate. And she said no, that she had not, but that the telephone repairman had been there that day. And I had seen the telephone truck and parked in the parking area. And so that put my mind at ease that uh, it was the telephone man that left the gate unlatched because the telephone uh, wires go into that area. Now, this, this is essentially an alleyway beside the apartment. Right. And um, you had noticed the gate unlatched. You spoke to her about it. for that gate to be unlatched. The meter reader uh, pretty much kept, I would say I maybe once a year or twice a year I would notice that gate unlatched. And as to the chain link fence in the back, was that normally up? That was always up. It was not evident to anyone else that that would not be just nailed to the tree. Because it was nailed on the inside of, of the tree. That is the backyard side of the tree. So that uh, normally if you came into there, even if you stood at the gate, it would appear that that was a, a, a That was just a chain link fence across there with no gate. After that conversation with Krista, when was the next time you notice that that gate, which is number 62. When was the next time you saw that gate? The next time I saw that gate was when the sheriff came. Tell the jury about, was that the next night? That, that was, uh, Sunday night. Tell the jury about... It was actually early Monday morning. I 
think of what happened. I heard a knocking at the door, which I thought was my door, but it turned out it was knocking on the door next door to Christie's apartment. And I went out. I went out my front door, which was around the corner from the apartment M. And uh, as I was coming around the corner, the sheriff came around the corner to meet me. And he said, do you have a key to Christie's apartment? That uh, she hadn't shown up for work and we were worried about her. And I said uh, that I had a key, but that uh, uh, did he know there was a glass door in the back of the apartment? And he said, no, he didn't know. And so uh, we walked back to this first gate that was unlatched. And as soon as I saw that the gate was unlatched, I was alarmed. And the sheriff said to me uh, to wait here while he went around back, while he passed through the corridor, like. And, uh, but I didn't wait there because I saw at this point that the chain link fence was down also. Complete, I mean, it wasn't loose, it was down. And so I was very alarmed at this point. And I went, uh, I followed the sheriff around there and watched him with his flashlight uh, uh, get down on his hands and knees. And the, the blind on the glass door was up about this much on the bottom. And he got down on his hands and knees and shone his flashlight in there. Did you have, from where you were, did you have a sense of what was wrong? And he got up immediately and asked me uh, to please go back to my apartment and wait for law officials to uh, contact me, that this was a crime scene. And uh, I said, uh, she's not all right, is she? And he said no. And what did you do next? Um, I went back to my apartment and did a lot of looking out the windows at all kinds of law enforcement people. <laughs>